Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 13 of the Big Nickel IDP podcast on the Big Three Network. I am your host, John Macri, PFF's IDP specialist and data analyst. We have got a very good episode for you, in my opinion. Uh, and I know last episode, when, when covering the bounce back candidates with uh, Dynasty Trip, I referenced that it would be Ryan Sitzman, uh, the IDP guru, joining me this week to talk about values and sleepers. Um, but schedules change, people get busy, it's fine. Uh, but we do not have uh, Ryan joining me this week. And I know what you're all thinking. We're about to get Macri rambling alone to himself for the next 90 minutes. But uh, fear not, dear listeners, because not only do you not have to listen to just me, but instead to talk IDP values and sleepers today, we are getting an absolute hero, a personal savior, an IDP legend, a returning star guest from IDPguys.org, one of my favorite ID people. He is the incomparable Joey the Tooth. Joey, thank you so much for stepping in on short notice and rescuing us all from near disaster. How are you doing today? I am fantastic. And that intro was just... That was touching. I'm serious. That was fantastic. Well, well deserved. You uh, you stepped in on short notice, like I said, and and uh, you, you you brought a huge list of, of players to go through, and and we're willing to come on the show in the evening, give up your time, and 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 talk IDP football with me. So I'm I'm very grateful, and uh, yeah, well deserved words. I think, in my opinion. Well, this is this is one of my fun, my favorite podcasts to be a part of. Like we've been on what twice together now. Yeah, yeah, was, we did. Just, it was a blast, man. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, I love me week. some Macri. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, we talked the the rookie edge rushers. Yep. Um, that was fun. That was, uh, yeah. There's 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 those rookie episodes did really well too. Like a lot of people obviously want that info right away, mm-hmm. and I think yeah, we gave them some good info, and I'm I'm glad that we could get you back and talk some players that that aren't rookies now. Um, some yeah. guys that we've seen play in the NFL and. Uh, and do some things and, and kind of figure out what their values are and, you know, how they, um, you know, what they might be, what they might be like in 2021. And then I like the, the idea of the sleepers too. some guys that were willing to take shots on late in drafts yeah. and stuff like that, too. So that'll be fun. But yeah, it's nice to have some actual football as well. Um to kind of look at this week as, as training camp opens up finally underway. And, you know, the camp hype definitely is in full swing as we see like (laughs) the isolated videos of players that we love. um, One handed catches. More IDP videos like that though. It's always offensive videos. Like, Oh, did you see the catch this made? It's like, what about the guy in coverage? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's the way I feel. I see some of that. Even like the there was the Patrick Mahomes uh, no look pass today, and I was I was kind of looking. I was like, well, who's covering there? I want to see. And it was Anthony Hitchens who like made like a diving attempt at the ball, and yeah, he just fell flat on his face. Mm, but that, makes that sense. was the kind of thing that I wanted to see. Like, you know, what do these linebackers look like in coverage, especially some of the new guys right. and stuff like that. And I know it's unfortunate that it's it's mostly offense that sells, right? Like mm-hmm. we talked about that with. Um, so for with, now, for now. Yeah, 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 exactly. We're Hopefully still working we on it. Yeah. <laughs> One day people will appreciate defense and uh and the IDPs that go with it, but yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of a lot of hype right now, a lot of um yeah, just the highlight videos. It's all like it's all just one 
play, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's never like a collection of plays that happens. Just one play that happened today in camp and everybody goes nuts for it. Um, but There's not a- all of it is like smoke screens and false narratives. There are like often nuggets to find from camp. I mm-hmm. find, I, I find as well. Um, so I, was, I like, I'm kind of curious, like how you value, um, like training camp storylines and, and kind of sort through all some of the nonsense as well that tends to happen in camp. <laughs> well, when I'm looking at camp, what I like to see is, Guys who came in ready to play like day one, not somebody who came in out of shape or like you see guys who maybe have trimmed down or even packed on weight, just mm-hmm. somebody who actually made a difference from what they were the year before in order to make a bit better impact. So that way, you know, that guy is really putting in the work to actually improve. So he's ready as these other guys are getting complacent. He's ready to put in the work and actually try. And he- that actually, a lot of times with like second and third year players, you see the guys nearing the end of their rookie contracts. You see them, they they understand the game a little better now, a couple of years in and understand the changes they need to make. And when you can see them actually put in the work to make the change, that's when I get that little, like, I'm going to watch this guy for a little while. Right. See if he can compete, see if he can make make that leap. And it's all about catching those players before they make their leap to get the good value. I like that. Yeah, it's like, it's it's identifying like maturity in players mm-hmm. too, right? Like yep. to show how serious they're taking. Like I, I think about that like for guys coming off of injury, for example, like how hard were they working to get back from mm-hmm. that injury? Like are they coming back early from the injury and looking good and passing physicals and stuff like that because of the rehab and the work that they put in? And, um, you know, somebody that comes to mind is like Joe Burrow, for example. Mm-hmm. Like Joe Burrow's already on the field. He's, he's ready. Looking, he's, yeah, 100% ready to go. Like that, that tells me a lot about like, like Joe Burrow as a player and as a kind of a leader for that Bengals team. Like I, I, I love Joe Burrow, but like that, that had me really excited for mm-hmm. him because um, yeah, to come back from that injury, it wasn't just like one thing in his leg. It was like multiple ligaments and right. stuff like that. And What's cool to see with the Bengals too, is like they obviously picture Joe Burrow and as well as like their leader going forward, because they even asked, they, they obviously took him into consideration with their first draft picks. Like, yeah. What do you want us to do? Do you really want Chase in this team? Because we'll do it. Yeah. You know he had a lot of influence on that pick. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think he definitely wanted his guy from from LSU, Jamar mm-hmm. Chase, to to be on that team, and they're already connecting in camp. That's one yeah. of the highlight videos that's popped up. Right, Bro, to Chase one handed. That's yeah, what it was. Yeah, well, it was nice to be honest. It was. It was. <laughs> there was nobody covering and stuff, but yeah, it's still it's it's fun to see. But yeah, that that is an exciting thing there, and it it's it's nice that you know if that was the case that the Bengals kind of take him and his word into consideration a little bit as well, because we've seen how that kind of can unravel with somebody like Aaron Rodgers, yeah, for example. I'm just gonna right? say the Packers. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's I think those are some good keys to kind of to hone in on like through training camp and and for me it's like I like to look at um kind of who which players are getting like first team reps i think that's Mm -hmm. important for sure obviously um and and also the kind of context behind it too like are are certain players getting first team reps because they're going to be an actual starter or are they filling in for for an actual starter that is maybe hurt or dealing with an injury like um or resting or uh even got COVID or something like On that, the right? Pup list. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's a lot of context to kind of figure out there, but the first team reps are really important and, mm-hmm. and what coaches say too. Um, yeah. means a lot, I think you like, got to try to decipher so than, some of the coaches speak, but definitely you have to listen. 
Yeah, yeah, I think so, right? It, it just means more than like a beat writer saying something like, oh, this this player looked really good today. Like, you know, the, the coaches have a better feel for what a player should be doing and what they look like um, more so than a beat writer. They, and the beat writers do a good job, but it, it's not on the same level, obviously, as like a coach. So, um yeah, those are the things that I like to look at, and and one of the one of the ones actually today that was I was surprised to to see already was Landon Landon Collins is back on the field. Yeah, um, it's uh, recovering recovered apparently from the Achilles injury last season. I I was thinking he was going to be a little bit closer to week one, um, but apparently he's on the field. He's and he's taking the starting snaps at strong safety as well. Cameron Curl playing the deep safety uh, as well as Bobby McCain, but. Uh, Collins looks like he's he's ready to go and and ready to start, which is kind of nice for for IDP. Because yeah, that's going to be a nice duo right there, Curl and uh, Collins. Because I think they could both interchange if they really wanted to. Definitely play yeah. both positions. That's that's yeah. going to be fun to watch. Yeah, like I, I mean, yeah, Curl was incredibly efficient last year mm-hmm. and a big time playmaker and Collins wasn't even before he got hurt, but right. I think he was one of my bounce back guys, uh, last episode. I, I think he could kind of come back and, and, and get that starting job back in, in the box and, and mm-hmm. be an IDP relevant player again. So yeah, that was an interesting one already, but, uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of stuff to sort out in training camp. It's it's there's going to be nonsense. There's going to be stuff that um, is smoke screens. But yeah, just paying attention to the things that that matter. Those first team reps, who's putting in the work, like you said, mm-hmm. um, and and yeah, and and just kind of trying to pull it out out from there. And, and it helps that we actually get a preseason as well, so we get to see these guys play on the field. Yeah, um, that's going to be huge for a lot of guys. A lot of these second year guys, especially and when they came in as rookies and had yeah. zero off season. Yeah, it's like yeah, the, exactly. a lot of people have already written off some of those rookies from last year that didn't perform. But it's like you're coming into a brand new situation, new schemes oh, yeah. and everything, and you had no chance to even have an off season. So let's allow one more year. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely giving them yeah a pass on that first year because it was just yeah it was it was a disaster in, in so many ways and these guys you know if they didn't perform well I mean you got to take some of the blame off of them mm-hmm. just for how crazy the year was and and hopefully this year is, is is a little bit better for some of those guys and 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 I I mean that for like PFF grades as well and stuff like guys that didn't grade well like Patrick Queen for example mm-hmm. really had really bad, poor grades but you know he was still first round pick he, he showed some promise uh, at LSU and and in his first year even in flashes so I think there's there's obviously a chance for him to to kind of come back from things like that as well and, and we're going to see these guys a little bit more and the fact they didn't add to the position yeah that helps too it's yeah like, well they have some faith in him yeah yeah exactly it's yeah it's lj fort and uh, Malik Harrison are still yeah. the other guys there it's going to be Patrick Queen for a little while yes, yes it is <laughs> yeah all right. Well, let's uh, let's get into some of these these values and uh, sleepers of IDP. Uh, we'll start with the values. Um, so these are guys that are going a bit later than they probably should in drafts, and, and so we'll talk about why we like them. Uh, then we'll close it out with the sleepers. So these are guys that are gonna we get take some shots on late in drafts or pick up as free agents off the waiver wire that cost next to nothing and, and may end up as contributors for your fantasy squad. So uh, we'll kick things off with one of Joey's guys here uh, appropriately from his 49ers. Uh, Joey, who is your uh, first IDP value? Uh, Eric Armstead. So Eric Armstead, he kind of had a down year last year. He still had pretty decent tackle numbers, but he had seven less sacks than he did the year prior. 
but I don't think that's really much fault of his own. D Ford was out again all season. Nick Bosa went down with the ACL week one. So he had Kerry Hyder to help him out. So it's like, it was pretty easy to key in on who's going to be the guy. And it was yeah. Eric Armstead. And I think people forget that just one year prior, he had 54 tackles and 10 sacks. It's like now he's being drafted as ADP when MFL is D, DL32. Mm-hmm. I think it said DL32. It's like 54 tackles and 10 sacks is a DL32. I feel like it's pretty great value. And if Bosa can come back, be Bosa, even if they can get like a 40% snap share, 35% out of D4, just to give him a breather or even slide inside right. a little bit, just give him some functionality across that line. I think Eric Armstead could have a nice bounce back here. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I was I went on kind of like a semi rant last episode, um, talking about how good Nick Bosa is and, oh. and was as a rookie and his his time at Ohio State as well. And in doing so, I called Eric Armstead trash to make my point, but <laughs> I didn't mean like trash. I just meant that <laughs> he's not Nick I do Bosa. Eric Armstead an apology because I just meant like relative to his draft capital and, and yeah. things like that. Like he he really didn't wasn't doing much for his his career. Right. Um, up until Nick Bosa joined the team. And it was when Bosa was on the team that is when he had his best season. He, he had 62 pressures and 10 sacks, like you said. Um, so that it obviously makes a huge difference, right? Having somebody of Nick Bosa's caliber opposite you to take kind of some of the attention away and also to, to um, take advantage of some of the cleanup opportunities that mm-hmm. Bosa creates as well. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think I think it'll definitely be a better year um, for Arms said he 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 had 41 pressures last year so um it was obviously down from the 2019 season but it was up from his normal rates um, that he was putting before 2019 so yeah i I think you know having bosa back is going to be huge having some they have some nice interior uh, defenders there decent not nobody amazing like deforest buckner but yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah hopefully javon kinlaw like develops a little bit i'd like to see him step up a little bit yeah, so I, I think there's definitely a chance for Armstead to bounce back, like you said. And, yeah, if you watch um, their Super Bowl that. season, like they they all worked so well together. Like you, there was yeah. times you saw Bosa; he was lining up inside. Ken or um, Armstead's lining up inside. D Ford mostly off the edge, but I mean he had some stunts on the inside. But mm-hmm. it's just they can move all around and just get pressure from everywhere. And Armstead's a formal former D tackle, so if you keep him on, on the inside. D4, Nick Bosa, funnels somebody up the middle, he's going to be your guy to get the clean up there. So it's like... Yeah, that would be interesting for sure. Yeah, the D Ford, the main thing has just been that the health, just right? Get like on the field. I know it's 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 so frustrating. I, I I did see something about him today, but I can't remember what it was. I can't remember if it was he was healthy or not healthy. I read a bunch of stuff today. So, um, Apparently, last year he was close to healthy towards the end of the season, and they were just like, no. They shut him down. No, yeah, we have you for at least one more year. Let's mm-hmm. get you back to healthy because we still have a window to push for. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I, I mean, I think yeah, it'll, like you said, it'll be a better year for those guys, and I think the 49ers as a whole will be a, it'll be a better year. Yeah, um, and yeah, maybe they get Trey Lance on the field as well, so that'll be nice. That'd be sweet. Yeah, yeah it would be sweet. <laughs> Pretty much, this will be the year Jimmy Garoppolo has his freaking breakout. Like, what oh yeah, do of now? course. Yeah, he's gonna have a huge year, and then but maybe they get they're able to trade him. That I was gonna for, say try for, to win a Super Bowl with him, and then trade him. Yeah, yeah, that works. 
All right. Uh, next guy on the list. So this was one of my guys. I put Jonathan Allen of the Washington football team here, defensive tackle. Uh, I put him on this list before he signed his big contract ex- extension this week. Um, that oftentimes brings a little bit more attention towards a player. So uh, he ends up going a little bit more where he should in, in the next month's worth of drafts, I would think. But mm-hmm. um, at the time when I put him on this list, I noticed, you know, he's going after guys like Deron Payne, uh, his, his teammate there, and he's still, he's falling out of, um, out of some drafts even on, and the sleeper ADP, for example, he's not even in there. And I think they had 40 something players on the defensive line that yeah. uh, Allen apparently didn't even make the cut. And I, I think he's a really good player. He, he had an 80, 83.5 pass rush grade in 2020. And that was actually the highest among all Washington uh, defensive linemen. So it was above even Montez sweat and chase young. And he did that from mostly an interior alignment. So we know it's kind of more difficult to rush the passer from the inside because yeah. you're getting um, more offensive linemen getting hands on you as well. So uh, he also tied for the team lead in pressures last season with 47. Uh, the, the problem was he had just the two sacks on the year. So he, mm-hmm. did, he wasn't finishing, um, I guess, the way that people uh, were, were would hope that he would. So obviously there's a need to finish better there. Um, but I think what he lacks in sacks as well, he makes up for – in tackles um tied for second yeah among all defensive interior players last season with with 63 so that that that's a big difference there and and even though deron Payne is a strong tackler and and as well and even had the one more sack than allen in 2020 uh for me allen is the better all-around player and even if Payne continues to go before him in drafts like he mostly has been I, i'll be taking allen all day every day and and just expecting the talent to catch up to the numbers for sure yeah i like allen better than Payne as well um look at his ever since his rookie year it was 61 68 and 63 tackles so he's been over 60 every year of his career that's impressive for an interior lineman it so is, yeah. he's definitely getting almost all the sacks uh he's i mean he can come up with like you said he had how many pressures 40 47 47 pressure so and then his previous two years he had six sacks and eight sacks so he just didn't finish last year i mean it's it's tough when you have chase young and sweat on the outside they're they're gonna gobble quite a few up but if they can just get more pressure on the outside and people start to funnel up allen is going to be your guy and it's not going to be pain i I really don't think so yeah like that's just the way i feel right like i think I think that makes a difference too. like just the two sacks last year. People look like in big play type leagues, for example, like they'll look at 2020 scoring and they'll base their, um, you know, their draft picks on that as mm-hmm. well. So Payne might've finished up uh, above him in leagues like that. So he goes ahead of him and, and then he, he could be forgotten about along, along that defensive line with Chase Young, obviously and Montez sweat um, being drafted. You forget that there's, you know, Two two really good players, but for me, Allen, yeah, is the, is the better one to kind of take advantage of. Well, it's crazy if you look at Allen because you think of uh, Washington last year, their linebacker group was pretty barren. Right. It wasn't great, but yet they still rank, I think it was 12th in the league in run defense. And I, you have to credit Jonathan Allen for a lot of that in the center because he had the 63 tackles. Mm-hmm. His missed tackle rate's only 4.5%. He yeah. barely misses a tackle. So you, you go up the middle and Allen's likely about to swallow you up. So give the, him and Payne a lot of credit in the interior for not forcing the linebackers to do too much. And that, that 12th ranked defense is probably going to go up this year with a better linebacker group. But it's just impressive just with such a weak linebacker group to finish 12th best in the league against the run. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean that defensive line is is just amazing by itself, right? I think arguably probably the best defensive line in football. Yep. Um at least up yeah, there. I would say so. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Just so, all across. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's excellent. Like it's not like deep after the starters, but I mean it just doesn't have to be. Those guys are absolute <laughs> They're young. stars. They're young. They're all young yeah. too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they drafted well there. It's been impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, next guy is one of yours. It is Demarcus Lawrence. So I've I've always liked Demarcus Lawrence just because he's also been kind of a high tackle guy. Um, he's very good at forcing fumbles. He's got active hands behind the line. Uh, he has had a couple of down seasons, but he's been healthy for the most part. So you look at his past four seasons, he's played 16, 15, 16, and 15 games. Uh, Two years ago, he was dealing with nagging injuries all season. He still came up with five sacks and 45 tackles, 10 for a loss. Uh, But the two previous years before that, 58 tackles, 64 tackles, 14 and a half sacks, 10 and a half sacks, over 20 QB hits every year. Then you go to last year, he had – Almost 60 tackles again. He had 58 tackles again, and but still only six and a half sacks. Zero help. They didn't have much help. They didn't add much help, but they still have hopefully Randy Gregory can get his act together because if he's on the field, he's a decent pass rusher. He at least gives yeah. pressure. Um, they have a rookie in Chauncey Goldston, I think they drafted. Mm-hmm. Maybe he can make some sort of an impact, but Micah Parsons is going to be a big impact. So they've already, yeah. I, from what I've heard, I, I haven't seen it yet, but from what I've heard, they've actually already toyed with him on the edge in mm-hmm. a little bit in camp. So to have better pass rush on the opposite side, somebody like Parsons coming in, or even if Parsons playing in the middle and he's blitzing, it's just extra pressure just will alleviate DeMarcus Lawrence from being the every down attention. And he, maybe he can get back, even if he gets back to eight, nine sacks, he's still going to be close to a 60 tackle guy. So I didn't know he was all the way up at DL 15. That's still pretty high. So it's not that much of a value, but if you're getting a 55 tackle guy, eight sack guy as your, what would normally be about a DL two, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Like I, I think he does, like he does fall later than that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen it happen. Like people, again, this is another thing we talked about last episode with Trip is like these older players and he's not even really that old, but older players like tend to get faded in even redraft um, because everybody wants the younger, um, the younger stars. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Demarcus Lawrence still a really, really good pass rusher, um, and there isn't a lot of help for him. I remember last year, I think it was the first month of the season where he was getting out snapped by Alden Smith and Randy Randy Gregory yeah. um, for like the first four weeks, and and because of that, he wasn't producing numbers. So I feel like that left a, a little bit of a, a bad taste in people's mouth as well. Even though after that point, it, it sorted itself out, and he started to get more work, and he played strong uh, at the end of the season as well. Yeah. Oh, he definitely did. Yeah, he 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 became the top producing edge player on that team in terms of uh, sacks and, and and tackles, which is all that we really want. And mm-hmm. um, you know, even though Alden Smith Alden Smith ended up leading the team in snaps and pressures along the defensive line, but he's obviously not anybody to worry about this season for, for Lawrence. Yeah, <laughs> um, and Lawrence still earned the top top grades as a pass rusher, eighty five point seven pass rush grade for the year, so really really good. And as a run defender. 
79.7 as well. So we haven't seen him kind of fall off of that cliff just yet either. So right. I, I think he's still, like you said, a very good value um, to take advantage of if, if people let him fall. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, all right. My guy, my next guy here is Stefan Tewitt of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, he's listed as a defensive end on MFL and RSO. Um, really, he's a defensive tackle. He plays he plays the interior mm-hmm. of the Steelers defensive line. Um, and, and shout out to the big three guys. They've, they've talked about Tewitt being like an oft forgotten uh, player in IDP as well. And, and I agree. I mean, he's he's. Uh, he had 71 pressures and 11 sacks last year from the interior. So that was by far like his best year. Um, so he's, I'm sure that brings up his, his ADP a little bit, mm-hmm. but he's still, he's still down there in, in the sleeper ADP. I think he was DL 44, um, which just kind That's of crazy away. Yeah. Like there's gotta be something wrong with that, I think, but even still, like he, he is a forgotten guy just because he's had a fairly quiet year. And he's another one that plays on a really, really good defensive line Mm -hmm. of players of, you know, like there's the, um, runner up for defensive player of the year last year, which was TJ Watt uh, and Cam Hayward, uh, Alex Highsmith getting some hype. Melvin Ingram just joined the team as well. So there's all these names that people know, but not everybody really kind of remembers Stefan to And I think that's where he becomes kind of a value, um, uh, you know, in, in the casual kind of league. So, uh, they're they're all good tacklers as well uh, along the Steelers defensive line and that's a nice bonus for for IDP as well to it had like 49 tackles last year so a really nice number there um and yeah I know like I said 2020 was his best year it was his first season with double digit sacks um even though he's it's felt like he's been in the league kind of forever I think since 2014 so seven years um yeah. but he's still pretty young he's 28 years old right um yeah so even though he's been in the league for seven years he came in young um definitely think there's plenty of value to squeeze out of to wit this season as, as well yeah you saw even in 2019 the way he started the season in what three and a half sacks 22 tackles mm-hmm. in six games it was like you saw it happening there and then he got injured and he, he was out the rest of the season it was like ah so, right. like he was a guy you picked up off your waiver wire because just how he started and then yeah, like well, I'm just gonna hold him till next year, and then he came back, and it was like the, I got the same exact player from the year before. He's got it all together, so it's it's kind of a nice duo him and Hayward have in the middle. Like Hayward's kind of your your tackle guy. He's gonna gobble everything up and just allow yeah. to it just as go crazy on the inside. He's got he's got some very nice interior pass rush moves. Yeah, he's a very nimble man for his size, and he's very powerful. Yeah, for sure. Him and uh, yeah, him and. TJ Watt, I remember last season, they were top five in the league along among defensive linemen in um, creating sacks for their teammates as well. So mm-hmm. they're they're these disruptors and they're finishers as well. So um, it, it's nice to have these kind of guys on your defensive line and uh, obviously playing with TJ Watt too. If TJ Watt's creating sacks for Tewitt um, and, and vice versa, that, yeah. that, you know, bumps their numbers up a little bit, which is nice. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, definitely he is a really nice pass rusher. And I was surprised when he was still, when I saw he was still only 28. Um, yeah, because it feels yeah. like I've been watching him for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, he would he come into, he was young, oh, 21 when he came into the league. So yeah, yeah. it's just, a, I mean, yeah, it does seem like he's been in the league forever, but you're right. Yeah. <laughs> 28 years yeah, old. Yeah, 2014. He's but been, he, I don't. I feel like. Well, no, I guess he has been like an every down player. 
I don't know. I just feel like he just didn't show up for a while, but he had good seasons. His soft, his second year, he had 54 tackles, six and a half sacks. It's like, all right, we all yeah. forgot about him. How do you forget about this guy? That's that's the thing. He's got like some weird, like, I don't know what kind of curse that makes him forgettable, but. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. That's, and we that's all apologize for it. You are a star. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, next guy on the list, another Washington uh, football team guy. Yeah, Cole Holcomb. I'm a big fan of Cole Holcomb. Uh, He's actually a guy I'm really in on this year. I think um, Davis is going to play the middle, I think, and I think Holcomb's going to move over to the will. And if you look at how he finished the season last season, so he started off, he actually didn't even start the first game of the season. He came off the bench. And then uh, he ended up starting the next game, and I think he had a knee injury, and it left him out for four or five games. And then he came back, and when he came back, he started every single game. Mm -hmm. And if you look at his last six games, I think he had – it was something like 50-something tackles. He averaged a tackle every 7.7 snaps or something like that. And that was pretty ridiculous for a guy coming off a knee injury and just in general for Holcomb. I mean, he's – he had 105 tackles as a rookie. He had 72 tackles last season in 11 games. So it's almost seven tackles a game. And I don't know. He's just a guy I think he can really take a step up. He looked better in his pass rush last year. He had two and a half sacks. Um, he could still use some working coverage, but I think Davis will alleviate a lot of that. So I think if they can use Holcomb more and with blitz opportunities, you could see him maybe be more of a playmaker and still hover around that 100 tackle mark. And he's going as the LB56. So he's going to be your LB3, LB4 even, and possibly put up LB2 numbers. Yeah, for sure. If if he's starting in Ron Rivera's defense, like he's going to be – relevant for idp like it's going to be useful every week and yeah i guess that that's the main thing for me right is if um is is how they view jamin davis and like you said if they view jamin davis as this mike linebacker and that bumps john bostick down Mm -hmm. um and gives gives holcomb a chance to play will and then i mean if they as long as they don't view jamin davis as the will linebacker i Mm -hmm. think that you know that keeps that job open for for holcomb over john bostick um which is nice because i I do think um holcomb certainly improved from his his rookie season as well um yeah like you said he was a very efficient tackler um and he did actually improve his coverage skills too he allowed a completion percentage of just 69 (laughs) percent nice from it being 85.7 percent as a rookie Rookie year was bad and it's like all right just throw at him (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they, they got, he got killed. Yeah, his, yeah. his coverage grade as a rookie was 43.0. So as a rookie, and then he improved it to 73.0 uh, oh, nice. last season. So so a nice bump up there. Um, cleaned up his missed tackle rate as well yep. from his first season from 13.1% to 8.7% last season. Yeah, if he's if he's on the field with Jamin Davis, um, the, both those guys are going to put up nice tackle numbers yeah. as as clear starters there with John Bostic probably being the three then. And like you said in Ron Rivera's defense, like Ron Rivera's linebackers always produce. Yeah. Yeah, he loves to he loves to have two guys out there um pretty much uh, every down and uh they're they're the guys that are going to be it, it seems like it's going to be those two guys from what I've read as well. It seems like it's Jamin Davis and uh Cole Holcomb. I uh, you know at the start of the 
off season, like after the draft, I, I kind of had this feeling like it'll probably be Jamin Davis and John Bostic because mm-hmm. I thought John Bostic had kind of this this leadership quality that they were going to try to take advantage of and and help Jamin Davis kind of grow under his leadership. But he could do that obviously as a third linebacker too. Yeah. He doesn't have to be a starter to do that. So um, yeah, the new the new information basically has been that yeah, it's Cole Holcomb and, and Jamin Davis right now. So that's that's exciting for sure because yeah, I want to see more of Cole Holcomb. Um, yeah. He's he's shown some he's shown some decent flashes and uh will be good to see him in a, in a full season again definitely all right so then one other another value um that i've i've think anyways is uh out of the new orleans saints linebacker demario davis so uh, <laughs> another guy he's a little bit older talked about this one uh last last episode with trip two a little bit um how these players get faded but I, i've made the argument that demario davis despite being an older player i think he's 32 um has been playing the best football of his career since joining the saints in 2018 mm-hmm. and and the pff grades kind of back that up as well so uh since joining the saints his PFF grade is an 89.2 overall uh, with a 90.3 run defense grade and an 88.0 pass rush grade and a 78.0 coverage grade. Um, and then like his his grades before that from 2012 to 2017 with the Jets and the Browns were, were basically just average. So he had a 60.9 overall, 64.9 run defense, 60.3 pass rush and 56.8 coverage. So huge, huge difference mm-hmm. um, in Sean Payton's system. And, and, you know, as a more mature, more veteran player um, and he's he doesn't leave the field. He's another no. one of those guys that um, he just puts up big tackle numbers. He had the past three seasons seasons 98 117 and 117 those mm-hmm. were his tackle totals since 2018 he's added four sacks on at least 100 pass rush snaps in all three of the seasons that he's been with the saints as well so brings in some additional upside there um which which has helped to you know raise up his his fantasy uh scoring and yeah his mfl adp right now is lb 28 so he's going behind teams like they're like specific nfl teams lb2s like foyer luacon drew green Dre greenlaw matt milano miles jack no. so, yeah so i'm i'm really happy scooping davis up over any of those guys at this oh, point 100 percent, 100 percent. when you get a hundred and 115 tackle guy with four sacks it's like yeah okay sure anyway he's done it at least four sacks his past four seasons five five four and four yeah, it's like, and the only time he missed a hundred tackles was with ninety eight. Right. Yeah, he's right there. Yeah. So it's, it's like, uh, and yet he's he. It's like to it. It's like it's a guy. He's always he's produced heavily his past four years. His last year and with the Jets was huge too. One hundred and thirty seven tackles and five sacks. Yeah. And then he just produced ever since he's been with New Orleans. It's like, how do you forget about this guy? Even when Alexander came, everybody's like Quan Alexander, Quan Alexander. It's like, well, what about Demario Davis? Yeah, I was like, Demario Davis is like you said. He has a hundred pass rush snaps every season with the Saints. Like he's gonna get at the quarterback. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah, crazy. It, to me. It, for me, like it just it must be an age thing, right? Like I get like, it's he's gotta 32. be. Yeah, I know. it's just but it's there comes a point when you're drafting where even though you're drafting somebody old, values value. Oh yeah, it's like even if he helps you for a season or two. You got great value at that spot in the draft. 
Like, yeah, it, whether it's redraft or dynasty, right? Like, I'm right. if you're if you want to compete, if you want to win a championship, like you can take advantage of these values still. Like, you don't have to build all your team, um, all the players on your team, these young like first second year guys. Like, you can grab a few veterans like right. a Mario Davis and easily compete um, because of how steady their role is and, and the production that they they produce right um, and it's crazy like when you do startups everybody's like i want to be as young as possible you guys yeah. as young as possible i was like i'll take everybody in their mid to late 20s and i'll compete for a championship isn't that what we're here for to compete for a championship it's like i don't want to do a startup and wait four years to compete for a championship i want to build a yeah. team that can compete now and possibly later it's like definitely that's yeah. where these guys come into play yeah, use your rookie draft picks and and you know pay attention to to storylines. You'll be able to find other players that can fill in that might mm-hmm. be helpful in your your rebuild later on. But yeah, absolutely. If you want to compete, take advantage of like the Demario Davises and these older players. Malcolm Jenkins' teammate yeah. um, is another one. Like guys that just produce numbers and and that that's the main thing for me. Um, so yeah, Demario Davis was is a big one. I, I end up rostering him in a lot of leagues just because he constantly slips or people don't value him very high and you could trade for him pretty easily. I think I've drafted him as my LB three in like three different leagues. It's like how nice. It's like sure. Yeah. You look around He's and you're like <laughs> Davis is still there. Yeah, I'll take him. Yeah, it's crazy. He will start yeah. every week. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I it's it yeah, like you said, the Quan Alexander thing. Um and then, like, I think it happened a little bit with Zach Bond when they drafted him. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, maybe he's going to take over for Demario Davis. That didn't happen. It's happening a little bit with Pete Werner right now. Like, for me, like, Demario Davis is the LB1. He doesn't leave the field. It's why I, I'm kind of lower on Pete Werner, like, as a, a, a as an IDP prospect this season, mm-hmm. just because the LB2 in New Orleans doesn't get a ton of play. Right. Um, and, yeah. Because the LB2 is Malcolm Jenkins. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. It's this Malcolm Jenkins who plays yeah, in the box and on the defensive line nonstop yep. and just yeah, eats up everything. He's aggressive. I love it. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's awesome. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Attention to all men across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do you have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick those pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like they're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job. That's from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped to get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code BIG3IDP. Speaking as a woman, if my Jedi drops his robe and I see a Qui-Gon Jinn-looking mustache around his lightsaber, or worse, if his nuts have straggly little tufts of hair like on Yoda's head, I'm out. Let's be honest, the furry little Ewoks may have been cute in the 80s, but the new generation deserves a finely groomed pork to take its place. It's time to head out on a mission away from the dark side and into the light. Ready for an out-of-world experience, men? Look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped that has just taken off in not only the US, but Canada, the UK, across Europe, the planet Hoth, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, 
Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold his whole solar system. First scheduled for liftoff, new lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. This spaceship is here to guide you men on a journey to trim your body, balls, butt, and even your anus. This fourth generation trimmer also features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on off switch can engage a travel lock and is even waterproof. You can even trim your bubes when you're visiting Master Yoda in the swamps of the Dagapa system. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 4000K LED spotlight so you can turn on and off when needed for a more precise shave throughout your travels across the universe. Guys, this is like shaving your space nuggies with a lightsaber. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker. Picture Master Yoda battling Count Dooku in Attack of the Clones as the small but mighty Jedi jumps and flips around taking down anything in his way. This is how the Weed Whacker attacks nose and ear hairs. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate folds, flaps, and holes. Make sure you use the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and their Crop Reviver to help your little planets be on their A-game while feeling the sun's heat. Better yet, Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to the Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Men, take advantage of this Manscaped offer and trim down that Chewbacca to a C-3PO level of smooth. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BIG3IDP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code BIG3IDP number at manscaped.com. Your space balls will thank you. By now, you, most of you have probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to go and see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is about. And the big three IDP are making it happen for listeners. With RSO, you have free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first round rookie options, automatic contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Think it sounds complicated? It's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. So if you think you're among the fantasy elite, well, this is the platform to test your metal. If you'd like to start a league of your own, use the promo code BIG3IDP to get 10% off the site fee. Again, that's promo code BIG3IDP to get 10% off the site fee for your own league. So B-I-G, the number three, IDP is the code. Fantasy just got real with Reality Sports Online. All right. Now back to the show. Uh, all right. Another linebacker on the list. One of your guys here. Uh, Chris Barnes with uh, Green Bay. I understand Devondre, Devondre Campbell came in and they do play a lot of one linebacker sets, but their run defense was pitiful last year. Like it, even the past two years, their run defense has been pitiful and they've been running this one linebacker scheme. And I don't really, it may have worked with Blake Martinez there. But with the guys they have in tow, not not so much. I think they need to go back to a little bit of two-linebacker scheme. But even if they don't, I think Chris Barnes showed enough last year towards the end of the year that he should be the incumbent to start, and Campbell's going to have to win the job. Campbell, he lost his job last year to a rookie, 
towards the end of the season. I mean, it's Isaiah Simmons, but still like Campbell hasn't been able to hold down a starting gig for over a season and a half, his entire career. And even early in his career, he was mediocre. He had two good seasons and then went kind of back to mediocrity. So Chris Barnes came in last year and he actually played very well to finish the season and he got injured somewhere in between, but he still put up 80 tackles in 13 games. So it's like 10 starts, but it's like he was a tackle machine. He doesn't really add too much else across the board, but he was a tackle machine. And I think he won the hearts of the coaching staff to where they're like, well, we don't have to go draft a guy. We'll bring somebody in for competition and free agency, but it's not going to be a high profile player where they expect to get all the runs. So Campbell's going to have to win the job. So I think right now it's Barnes job to lose and he's going at as the LB 40. So you could grab and pretty much every down linebacker as your LB 40. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Cause yeah, I, I think there is reason for optimism for, for Barnes. Like you said, like uh, the green Bay, sure. They did play a ton of dime defense more than any team in the NFL last year, but they also have a new defensive coordinator Mm -hmm. um this season right in joe barry so he's a former linebacker coach himself and and i know joe barry's coming over from the rams and they they ran their fair share of dime as well but Mm -hmm. not nearly to the extent that um green bay did last season so even like you said even if it's devondre campbell that is green bay's lb1 um there's room for chris barnes to to provide value and he was like the most efficient tackler uh last season i remember the one game where he played like 15 snaps and had seven tackles or something it was it was insane and then he just continued that he continued that basically all season long so um yeah i mean there's 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 a lot to like about chris barnes and again he was a guy that won the job last year and in a year where rookies really struggled so um green bay obviously felt good enough about who they have in house as well um to get rid of christian kirksey um and and let chris barnes kind of be uh, a potential starter i know they you know they did bring in devondre campbell but um like you said it, you know devondre campbell hasn't really been anything special either so there's absolutely a chance that chris barnes can be playing ahead of him mm-hmm. nice i like it um so another guy for me was uh, another linebacker um i think he's another guy that kind of gets forgotten but he's he's been an every down linebacker and he's been very effective his his mfl adp is in lb40 range as well um so that's i mean lb40 a 41 or something like that it, that's a lot of non every down linebackers getting taken before right. uh him and that's yeah shaq thompson of the carolina panthers yeah, that's crazy that he's back in the 40 range yeah i don't like i just don't get it like i i know he's not like he's not amazing he doesn't do a lot of it like anything special he's not a flashy guy um but he posted 109 tackles in 2019 and 114 tackles in 2020 mm-hmm. so um those are the two seasons as a starter for carolina he's not luke keekley obviously that's right. what um you know obviously the hope is for for panthers fans but that that's not the case uh, the panthers are another one of those teams that run a ton of dime personnel as well and and there's no real linebackers on that team to challenge them. I mean, there's uh, Jermaine Carter and, and Denzel Perriman, basically. Uh, and Jer- Jeremy Chin doesn't count. Jeremy Chin is a safety. Right. Uh, and as much as he does play in the box, that's not his only role. He played, I think, 60% of his snaps last year. Uh, it was aligned elsewhere on the field other than in the box as a linebacker. So it's basically Thompson. Um 
who's in that that spot as as the true linebacker on the team and he's he's the one constant in the box primed for those tackle opportunities on the majority of plays and like i said he may not be a great nfl linebacker but he's locked into a starting role in a defense where he doesn't have to play much man coverage and Mm -hmm. he could just sit in his zone and look to make tackles or get used as a blitzer and and hopefully put up more than his his zero sacks last year because he did uh rush the passer on like 91 attempts last season Mm -hmm. as well so there's there's opportunity there if they keep using him uh in that way to kind of convert a couple sacks as well and and maybe boost those fantasy points a little bit but lb40 is super super late for for Shaq Thompson for yeah. me. I think some people are just sour on Shaq Thompson because I think it's been almost four seasons now where we've all been waiting for that like that breakout for Shaq Thompson. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's like, well, he's got potential. Now he's now Keekley's gone and it's his show. And it's like, yeah. Still it's, he hasn't quite reached that potential yet. It's like, is he ever gonna reach it? So I think some people are just like, I'm just done with him. Yeah, I was like I, that a couple of years ago when he, I think it was three years ago. I was like, all right, this guy's going to break out. And he had 80 tackles. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it could, it, I could definitely see it being frustrating. Right. Cause yeah. when they drafted him, he was supposed to be, yeah, the Thomas Davis replacement. Right. right? And uh, we just kept waiting for Thomas Davis to slow down or retire or, or go elsewhere. He, yeah. He never did. And then finally, finally did. And Luke Keekley left as well. And, and that's kind of when he, he became like a truly useful idp but yeah i mean i think there is a little bit of fatigue with shaq thompson um but i mean if you're just looking for an efficient tackler and somebody that you can you know rely on easily week to week i mean i mean getting a guy in the in the 40s like that for for linebackers is every down player yeah yeah exactly that's all you got to be like i mean it it, obviously you got to be a a decent player to you know to keep that role but playing every down is 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 the key there and and he's the only linebacker that's going to do it in carolina oh yeah 100 percent. the only thing i could see carolina and possibly pittsburgh i could see both those teams going in and trying to scoop up jordan hicks Hmm. I, that, I think those are the two of the best fits for him this year because obviously he's not going to be starting for the Cardinals and they're allowing him to find a trade. But Wow. I hadn't thought of that. That would be interesting. Shaq Thompson. So yeah, Shaq Thompson on a pretty decent sized contract. So yeah, I'm, but I, I mean, yeah, I could still see it. And then Pittsburgh, yeah, that would kill my Robert Spillane shares. That's for sure. <laughs> Spillane. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think I could see Pittsburgh more so because they they have Roethlisberger there, so it's kind of a win now mode for Pittsburgh. So right, they could bring him in on a one year contract, just shoot for the fences. But yeah, yeah, I think they're delusional enough to think that they can win the season. <laughs> As know. a Browns fan, I think they have no chance. But I'm uh, with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I really don't either. Yeah, but it makes sense. I mean, they brought in Melvin Ingram, right? And, you know, why not try somebody like a Jordan Hicks as well to right. kind of bolster that linebacker core? So, yeah, that's interesting. I, I always forget that Jordan Hicks is still a potential trade candidate mm-hmm. out there. If somebody, you know, maybe he's, maybe they're waiting for an injury or to happen uh, in camp as well and, and trade him to a team that, that needs a linebacker because of that. But that's interesting. I got to look into that Carolina and Pittsburgh options because that would be interesting. Yeah. All right, another linebacker, uh, and this one's on your list here. Benardrick McKinney. 
I literally have written an article about him, I think possibly the past two years about how much of a value he is. Everybody forgets about McKinney. He's only, he's going to be 29 this year, I think. When he was in, uh, when he was in Houston, don't look at his rookie season, but every year after that. So he had 129 tackles, 95, 105, 101, five sacks, three sacks, sack and a half and a sack. He literally played more downs than Zach Cunningham. Cunningham had the better tackle numbers, but McKinney saw the field more than he did. So you look back to last year, he had 37 tackles in four games. He was actually having his most Mm -hmm. efficient tackling season of his career. And then he came down with the injury and it was, was it a bicep injury? Was it? I can't even remember what it was that sidelined him, but it could have been. Yeah. But even so he Houston, now they had his contract. They decided to ship him over to Miami who was looking to pair somebody with Jerome Baker. So, so I think McKinney and Baker will be very nice together. I think Baker's used more in that blitz role. McKinney will be right in the middle. And then they, they'll have their Kyle Van Noy type player on the other side. But McKinney screams value. He's drafted as the LB 66. Wow. Like you have one, like you have like a 90% snap share guy, perennial hundred tackle guy. Going as the LB sixty six. Yeah, that's that that's really late. That that's a big one. I mean, I'm as somebody who like I really like McKinney. I, I'm not a big Jerome Baker fan, so this mm-hmm. is nice to get this kind of optimism because I was I was a little worried last year's Miami. Uh, last year in Miami, their LB two, Landon Roberts was yeah. just not very good. Right. right? Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a role there at least for for McKinney to kind of come in, who is a strong tackler. He's a good run defender, like you said. Um, he's fine enough in coverage if, right. if needed. But like you said, Jerome Baker, they use him like a lot as a blitzer. It rushed 135 times. Yeah, and um, he was pretty efficient at it too. Really, when he finished yeah, the season, he had seven, with seven. Yeah. Yeah, so he he was he was landing a lot of those. So you know when you got a guy that's going to be blitzing a lot, uh, you need another linebacker to kind of sit in the hole and 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 you know play play coverage mm-hmm. basically. Um, so that that could be McKinney in that in that case. And the the thing too, like Jerome Baker, I know they gave him this nice extension and everything. But for me, like, I don't think he's really proved that he's anything kind of special. And and he did get benched two or three times last yeah, season. Yeah, I was going to say, it's crazy they gave him this big extension because last season they they benched him and he saw his, his snap percentage just decline for a short period of time until he finally seemed to get it together or they changed his role. Yeah. 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 He was, yeah. Cause he was, he was not performing well, like in the first half of the season. No. And then he did get that benching and, and his, yeah, his snaps were cut down significantly. And he's still not somebody like I'd be eyeing as like a long-term LB one. If I'm like a Miami, I mean, obviously they view him in a different way because they gave him that extension, but um, yeah, obviously McKinney, we'll see what kind of defense they run this year and maybe get uh, McKinney on the field a little bit more because, I, th- yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think he's a good run defender and obviously a very good tackler. And, yeah, it was a bummer to see him go down because I liked I liked rostering him um, for a long time yeah. as, as everybody was taking Zach Cunningham. I, I was happy it. to take I McKinney. Do it every year because you get him, like, Cunningham's going, like, LB10, if not more yeah. now after last season, and McKinney's going in the 50s and 60s. Like, well, yeah. I mean, if you really want to go by value, it's going to be McKinney. Yeah, that's that's an easy choice for sure. Um, all right, we'll go on to the safeties here. So this one, 
is Von Bell uh, for me. He's going as safety 16 in, in MFL. So that's obviously like a pretty high um, range. A lot of the times I see him going outside of the top 15 easily uh, in drafts. Another guy that does fall and, and is forgotten. And I think more for me, it's about the guys that he's going behind. So I really like Antoine Winfield. I think Antoine Winfield is a great NFL safety. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's still has a lot to prove to be like a reliable IDP uh, safety, just playing that deep safety role. And, and he's going to have to put up big tackle numbers and be able to convert those um, pass rush attempts that he gets as well um, to make up for it. But for now, like he, he's going to have some volatile weeks and, and be up and down a little bit. Somebody like Cameron curl as well. Um, is not, I don't think, going to be playing that same role that he did last season, the Landon Collins role, as much at mm-hmm. least. Um, so that's another one. Uh, and Kyrie Willis was the guy that I was going to put on this list. Um, but then I saw Von Bell's actually going after Kyrie Willis. Oh, was uh, he really? It, yeah. So that was that was surprising for me because I was fully ready to put Kyrie Willis as my my value safety. And then I see like Von Bell's going after him. And for me that like I'd, I'd much rather have Von Bell. I mean, he's my, he's my safety seven uh, for 2021 right now. And that, that for me, that was the big discrepancy in seeing him outside of the top 15 players. Um, he was only, he was one of only four players to not miss a single snap last year. Um, they were all safeties. It was uh, John Johnson, Anthony Harris and Justin Simmons and, and Von Bell. All Anthony four of those Harris. Guys, yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he was, yeah, he was out there. He does. He wasn't like a great IDP, um, but he because he plays like a deep safety role. I mean, he still uh, produces pretty well though for a deep safety. Yeah, yeah, he's still a good player, definitely yeah. usable uh, in IDP. But I, for yeah, a guy that he played every single snap. Um, same thing with Von Bell, but. The thing with Von Bell was that he played more snaps in the box um, than any other safety in the league last year. He was so the Bengals' was, best the, linebacker. <laughs> yeah, they, he really, he really yeah. is the Bengals' best linebacker because it, it, for me, like it, that just it creates like an incredibly safe tackle floor um, for this season. If that continues, I, I don't think there's any reason that it shouldn't yeah. continue. Um, and he's he's been a good tackler for for the last few seasons. He has the third most tackles by safety since 2017, um, behind only Jordan Poyer and Jamal Adams. Uh, he's constantly around the line of scrimmage, and he's even among the top five safeties at making a tackle at or behind the line of scrimmage since 2018 uh along with guys like landon collins jamal adams again malcolm jenkins buddha baker like von bell is among those guys as far as um tackling efficiency and and where he's making tackles on the field so as far as i'm concerned it's you you should be drafting von bell inside the top eight safeties um because like you said he's he's basically the Bengals best linebacker mm-hmm. and he's, he's going to be uh, he's going to be a tackle machine. So I, I'm very happy taking Von Bell if he's falling outside the top 15 players at his position. Yeah. Plus last season he finished at what 114 tackles. Was it? Yeah. But I love his, his nose for the football. So if you look at his past two seasons, last season in new Orleans, first season in Cincinnati combined five forced fumbles and seven fumble recoveries. Wow. So it's like that that's very active forcing and creating turnovers. Yeah, he's a good player. Like, I mean, it, he was playing kind of that Malcolm Jenkins role that um, in New Orleans before they brought back Malcolm Jenkins mm-hmm. um, to, to play that role, right? So he beat out Sean Williams, who was also like a really good IDP right. um, in Cincinnati. And he just took over that role and he, he 
didn't look back. So I'm I'm very happy with Von Bell in, in any league that I can get him because he, he's always behind where I have him ranked, I find. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him running that defense this year. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call because, I mean, Jermaine Pratt is not that guy. and He's a Pratt. Know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Logan Wilson, we'll see. I mean, he's got he's to step up this year, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, yeah. you know, but again, I think, yeah, that's a good call. I think Von Bell could be the guy kind of calling the plays. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Awesome. Um, all right, another guy, another safety off the list here. Uh, who do you got from Tennessee? Uh, Monty Hooker. So Monty Hooker hasn't really had a full starting career. I mean, he played, I think, 30% of snaps his first year, only 42% last year. But last year he came on with Vicaro out, and he even played some with Vicaro there. They ran a little bit of three three safety set. But he uh, he finished the season with 51 tackles, um, eight passes defended, and four interceptions right, with just being on the field 40, 42% of the time. Yeah, it's like Vicaro's gone this year, so it's going to be him and Bayard. Bayard actually played a lot in the box last year, which was surprising. Yeah. I think he's he's a turnover forcing machine too, but I mean it kind of sets up Hooker just to be kind of that deep safety guy, but still, I mean, fifty one tackles and forty two percent of snaps that's pretty impressive. And then you shoot, you add in his playmaking, and it's like he could be in for a breakout year. I know we don't like to talk breakouts. Right. But he could be in for a breakout year. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think I, I, I love these guys that um, basically nobody was drafting last season um, and isn't a rookie um, because they do tend to slip in 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 drafts the next year. Right. Mm-hmm. People don't really realize who they are or realize that they're clearly in line for these kind of bigger roles. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think it'll be him and Bayard. Um, Bayard has been creeping up closer and closer to the line of scrimmage each season, um, played a ton in the box last year, even with Kenny Vaccaro. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the the Titans do play. They play a lot of cover one and a lot of cover two, um, or at least they did in in 2020. So uh, it's Bayard and Vaccaro. They would kind of split that time uh, playing the deep middle role in in cover one. And I, I think that could be uh, Amani Hooker as well. Like I think they can split, go back and forth, very similar in size as well. Right. Um, Hooker and 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 Bayard. So they they can both play kind of closer to the line of scrimmage as, as run defenders or filling ex, uh, filling in the extra gaps um, as, as the box safety. So we, we've definitely seen Kevin, Kenny Vaccaro be IDP relevant, especially Kevin Byard as well. Um, I don't think there's any reason that, that hooker shouldn't be uh, able to provide some value this season as well. Yep. And he's, I think as of right now, he's the DB 30, 30. Okay. So that's, that's still higher than I am. I would think. I think people are starting to catch on a little bit with him, but it's still deep. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure there are people like taking corners over him too, right? Yeah. So, um, so like he'll be deeper than that in like those defensive back leagues. Um, so right. Um, all right, another guy that I really really like um, is Adrian Amos. So I've kind of talked about Adrian Amos. Love uh, this guy. 
Yeah, he's great. I, I, I've written about him a lot and I can't remember if I've talked about him on the pod because I, I do bring him up a lot um, in conversations and people asking me in, in DMs and stuff about like kind of some value players. Adrian Amos comes up a lot for me. I, I know everybody's infatuated with uh, Darnell Savage and I get it. I, I mean, yeah, he's an exciting young player with talent, but he's not the kind of, he doesn't play that similar role to or at least I don't think he'll play a similar role to what Amos could be, right. um, which which made Amos a little bit undervalued and underappreciated in a lot of leagues. So this is this is what I love about Amos, and I don't think a lot of people caught on to last season. Um, after Raven Green got hurt, Raven Green was kind of the third safety for the Packers and was playing a lot in the box. He was their mm-hmm. main box safety last year, um, but he got hurt in week 13. He was out for the year. So from week 14 on, and including the playoffs, uh, Amos was the primary box safety in Green Bay's defense, uh, and he spent more than half of his remaining regular season snaps in the box compared to just 27% um, before that point, and then only 32% of his snaps were played deep, which was down significantly from like 63% in weeks 1 to 13. So Raven Green is gone. Uh, He's not on the team anymore. Uh, it, it does seem like Amos is going to continue to be that player, uh, that safety that plays closer to the line of scrimmage. And I, I know there's talk about um, Darnell Savage maybe playing that star role in Joe Barry's defense where he might see play in the slot a little bit. But I think it's going to end up with him playing mostly deep. Um, in 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 the Green Bay defense, and that's that's key for Amos because if he's coming down to play the line of scrimmage uh, closer to the line of scrimmage like he was at the end of last season, we did see a massive leap in fantasy production from him as he went from like eight point one points per game according to fantasy pro scoring uh in weeks one to 13 to 14.6 points per game uh, to close out the season once he took over that role which was like db4 uh on fantasy pros um so that that's a huge jump and a, and a really really attractive role uh if amos can continue in that spot for for green bay and he's definitely the safety that uh i'll be targeting and he's he's going as like safety 43 right now mm-hmm. um for what i saw so people are not even drafting him in most leagues it seems and and i'm i'm scooping them up every single time yeah i think uh it was either the end of last season or beginning of this season i can remember beginning of this off season uh, i actually said amos is one of my biggest values to target and but if what i think he's undervalued in is his ability to cover like darnell savage got torched last season anytime he was in man coverage. So to move him back to the deep safety, I think would be the best move for green Bay and have Amos cover tight ends. Like Amos, he's a physical defender. He plays great in coverage. The past three seasons, he's had, I think two seasons with nine passes defended one with eight and then two interceptions per season. And like you said, he'd been playing a lot more in the box. Love to see those tackle numbers get eclipse into the nineties, maybe the hundreds, but I think that's a, that's a legit possibility if he plays that box role. Yeah. So if he's the guy covering tight ends, you get the little bit of coverage snaps every now and then also playing in the box, you see uptick and tackle. So I, I think Amos is a huge value. Yeah, he's great. I mean, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm pretty sure he was one of our, if not the highest graded safety in coverage last year. And he was definitely the highest graded safety overall um, when lined up in the box. Yeah. Um, so he, he, really excels in that role um playing like like you said covering tight ends covering running backs and like short and intermediate routes and um and excelling in run defense yeah. so um 
Yeah, that's key. That's key for me. I think if if, if Amos continues in that role, which it does sound like he will be, um, massive fantasy value. Yeah. Um, Awesome. All right. Uh, another guy here uh, is one of yours from the New York Jets. Ashton Davis. I was actually very big on Ashton Davis when uh, when he was drafted because uh, I actually wrote his rookie profile for our draft magazine. Nice. And uh, I got to look a little bit more into him. And the fact that he was a track star, number one, that was pretty big. But just watching him play in, in California, like he wasn't he didn't put up gaudy numbers, but you watch him play. He's still learning the game. He's still fairly new, but he has just, he's explosive. He had some ball hawking skills that you could see like his, his instincts are there and mm-hmm. he comes into New York now and it's Marcus may Marcus may played great last year. He did. He had a good season, but he's in a contract situation now where you don't know what, how that's going to play out. Sure. They drafted, um, was it Sherwood? Jamie and Sherwood yep. and uh, Hamza and Asir Yeah, But they're probably going to play what it seems like more of a linebacker role for those two. So mm-hmm. I don't know who else is going to be back there. And granted, hopefully it's not a deep safety role, but I don't see it. Last year he played very good. Like he had, he, It wasn't just a deep role for him. He was – he had I, – I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he finished the season incredibly strong tackling. Let's see if I can get the game log up for him. But I, I just love his – he's got aggressiveness. He's very aggressive. His uh, his um, athletic ability is off the charts, and he does have some ball hawking to him. So I'm very impressed with how he played last year. Yeah, yeah. It was a bummer that we kind of lost him after just a few games of starting yeah. last season because I was really getting excited about right. him as uh, with some IDP potential there under Greg Williams. And um, my, my absolute favorite Ashton Davis stat from, from last season, and I probably said this on here as well before or on another podcast at some point already, uh, but in week nine, he played 48% of his snaps. So 39 snaps lined up as an edge rusher. Um, so he ended up rushing That's the passer just 13 times out of there, but he spent so much time in that alignment against uh, the Patriots. I think it was that no safety even came close to that number last year, as far as snaps played wow. on the defensive line in one game, it was, um, you know, guys like Malcolm Jenkins and Adrian Phillips typically do that quite a bit, but Davis, Davis blew them out of the water and in, in that. And I, I know that was under Greg Williams and what, whatever but that, that was kind of giving me like derwin james vibes as right. well and, and how they use him as kind of a pass rusher or, or right up at the line of scrimmage and and playing a little bit like that so it, we'll see what how sala uses him um i know that sala was running a lot of quarters and split safety coverages mm-hmm. uh, over there but um yeah i'm with you I, I really like ashton davis as a player and I don't know if you saw this today. This is probably going to push his ADP down a little yeah, bit too, but sounds like he'll be out until week two. Yeah, um, I saw that. Said, but yeah. I mean, if it's still week two, you're missing him for one game, basically. Right. And right? He's, so. It's his second season in the league, so he yeah. showed plenty of promise last year to where I'm excited to grab him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm, I, I I like Ashton Davis. I think, um, yeah, we'll see what happens with Marcus May, but I think uh, either way, Davis is going to be uh, he's going to be kind of a key player there in that in that defense as it kind of rebuilds. Yeah. All right, uh, another one of your guys here. This is our last uh, value on the list, and we're closing it out with a cornerback, uh, Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore. Yeah. I said it three years ago. I think I said when he had his first breakout year, he's the best slot corner in the NFL. Oh, yeah. He's he blitzes. He's the best blitzing corner in the league. <laughs> he is fantastic in coverage. 
he averages probably close to 75, 80 tackles a season. But he, I mean, he'll get you pass defended. He'll get you interceptions. He will get you forced fumbles. He'll get you sacks. He gets everything. I think last season he finished as overall DB, not just quarterback. DB, I think he was top 15. And yet he goes as a CB 10 and probably back into like the DB 30, 40s because he's a quarterback. Yeah. It's like, it's unbelievable to watch people disrespect, disrespect quarterbacks in the way that they are these days. Just because they're still cornerbacks, it's like that's that's old IDP newest. Some of these cornerbacks, especially slot corners, are really, really bumping up their value. And especially these ones that have lots of blitz opportunities. Like yeah. we saw it with um oh, why am I blanking on his name? He's in New York now. He was with Tennessee. He had oh Logan Ryan. No, Logan, Logan um Ryan. Logan Ryan, yeah. Yep. Logan Ryan. Yep. He had that huge season in Tennessee where he was just he was blitzing. He had sacks, forced fumbles, interceptions, tackling. Kenny Moore is used very similar. I mean, obviously, he doesn't have that high attack no tackle numbers, but mm-hmm. I could easily see him approach that 90, 90 tackle, 95 tackle number. So I'm, I'm just a big Kenny Moore truther. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100% on Kenny Moore. I love Kenny Moore. I was on um, the IDP IDP Guys podcast uh, with uh, with Johnny the Greek and, and Nate, uh, maybe like a little over a month ago or something. And they asked me who my my overall CB1 was for, for the season. And I, I answered Kenny Moore because, yeah, I'm with you. He's no cornerback has had more tackles since 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and no cornerback has had tackle tackles at or behind the line of scrimmage since 2018 he has the same number of tackles at, at or behind the line of scrimmage in that time as malcolm jenkins um with with 24 so he's he's awesome and there's other good numbers for him i mean he has the lowest average depth of tackle mm-hmm. against the run among all defensive backs since 2018 and it's by like a significant margin too. 2.58 yards um while the next closest michael davis is at 3.06 so wow. really nice numbers there he plays the slot Role, gets his blitz opportunities like you said six bass breakups four interceptions last year over 950 snaps so mm-hmm. you know that nickel corner role is a full-time role yeah um you know if you're worried about him playing the slot and not playing every down i mean 950 snaps is every down the slot uh, so. almost plays every down these days yeah yeah exactly so and plus i don't know if you saw it this week he showed up to training camp in an indy car a la reggie wayne uh oh, that's a few beautiful years ago. yeah i didn't see that badass. that's yeah, awesome it's, it's pretty cool I, I think uh i think that'll help him uh get a little bit more recognition because that was kind of badass and but yeah i'm with you like he doesn't have that that name recognition as, as guys like marlon humphrey yeah. or you know like like star corners richard sherman Jalen like, ramsey like the thing that blows my mind about marlon humphrey if he didn't have what eight forced fumbles last year yeah. he doesn't finish <laughs> higher than kenny moore yeah 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 kenny moore's just as efficient right. as a tackler and yeah he does all the right things so yeah i'm with you uh kenny moore is cornerback one so wherever he's going after that i think uh is 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 a value my man yeah <laughs> All right, let's go on to some sleepers here. So these are guys, like I said, that kind of you you can either take a shot on them late in drafts or if you've already done your drafts, there's a pretty good chance they're available on the waiver wire for the most part. Um, so I'll start things off here with a guy that I really like, um, I think could have a chance this year to start, uh, is Kevin Pierre-Lewis uh, with the Houston Texans. He's a linebacker there. For me... 
it's about coverage with with Kevin Pierre Lewis. Um, he owns the highest coverage grade among Texans linebackers for their careers, and it is not close. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has an eighty nine point seven grade. Guys like Neville Hewitt, Zach Cunningham, Christian Kirksey they're they're not even close to that. So he he does only have about twelve hundred snaps for his career compared to guys like Kirksey and Cunningham who are up above three thousand, four thousand snaps for their career. So doesn't have that that full time experience yet. And this is going to be his sixth team in eight seasons um but he's coming off the two best seasons of his career from a coverage standpoint so as far as coverage grades go he was our lb2 in 2019 and lb6 in 2020 uh in coverage grade ranks so for linebackers um and that that's on the biggest workloads of his career as well, which which is a good sign. Um, and especially last season with Washington, he played over 500 snaps, which was the most of his career. And honestly, coverage to me again is arguably arguably the most important aspect of an NFL defense, especially since the league has become such a passing league. And and KPL he has all the athleticism, the speed, the instincts as well as that data backing him up to kind of be that guy for Houston um, has the highest forced and completion rate for the career for his career of this group of, of Houston linebackers, lowest percentage of first downs and touchdowns allowed per target of this group. Uh, and like I said before, the highest coverage grade. So he's also likely the safest bet aside from Cunningham to not be cut this off season uh, as he has a dead cap hit and he's signed through 2022, unlike Kirksey and Hewitt. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, and then the other thing is Lovey Smith is back in the NFL and he's bringing his Tampa two defense with him. He's going to likely call for one of these linebackers to play that deep Tampa hole in the defense. And for me, that's Kevin Pierre Lewis again, just because of that coverage instincts and athleticism. I don't think it's Neville Hewitt. I don't think it's Christian Kirksey. We've seen them. We've seen them, what they do as NFL players. It's not good. I think it's time for Kevin Pierre-Lewis to get a shot. And I, just looking at contracts and, and everything that I just went through, I think there's a good shot for him to kind of take that role. Did I ever tell you you're my favorite IDP data guy? <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> I, that, that, I, like, I can understand the, the, the talk for KPL, but what you just told me just sold me on it. Like, yeah, yeah that, that makes 100% sense. Like, Kirksey for his career is terrible in coverage. Neville Hewitt did not show much in coverage. Kirksey was let go by Green Bay. They didn't bring him back. They brought in Devondre Campbell, and they kept going with Barnes. Neville Hewitt, he had a huge year numbers-wise in New York, but they obviously didn't want to bring him back. They went and drafted a couple of safeties, and they have Mosley coming back. Yeah. And they were like, you can just go. And so they they both get signed for one-year deals. Lewis has, what, two-year deal? Yeah, yeah. So he, so he, he got a two-year deal. So he got the better contract of the three. And Lovey Smith coming back, that playing that Tampa too. That's a very good call. I, I could easily see Lewis being the guy winning that job. Yeah, I hope so. It felt like a marketing pitch a little bit. Kind of, it, kind of it works. For, it works. Yeah. <laughs> I could be like his campaign manager or something. And I like then start it. like <laughs> a Kevin Pierre Lewis for LB2 or something like that um, for in Houston. But yeah, I, I mean, for me, like I, I think it's time to give somebody like that a, a start. I, what do you have to lose right. in Houston really? Uh, oh, I mean, gosh. you're not going to win very much games this year. Give somebody a chance. See if somebody can emerge from you that group. Real credibility right now as a team. Yeah, why don't you just make it look like you made a great decision? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
get a, get your take your wins where you can get them basically right. and, and hopefully kevin pierre lewis can provide that all right uh one of your sleepers here another linebacker uh drew tranquil tranquil with uh the chargers uh he, last season he had a lot of hype going into the season because of how well he played his rookie year uh he finished with 75 tackles and i think he played under 50 percent of the team's snaps so he was a tackle machine his rookie mm-hmm. year uh so last year he had a uh, head of steam going in and then played one game and was out for the rest of the season with an injury which sucked yeah. then kaiser white came in he played pretty well but he was so spotty he was back and forth Perriman was still there Perriman's now gone Perriman's in carolina mm-hmm. and now you, you still have white there but tranquil as an every down basis he he's just more consistent White, he disappears in games. Tranquil never really disappeared. He was always a high tackle guy. And people always say, well, Kaiser White, he's he's a former safety. He's great in coverage. Tranquil is just as athletic as Kaiser White. Like he was he was more of a safety type back in Notre Dame. He had a safety type build. But, I mean, just his pure tackling efficiency as a rookie, I think they will run a two-linebacker set in uh, like in two inside linebackers and i don't think it's going to be like it has been in los angeles for the past few years where you have like one linebacker who plays 100 percent of snaps and then the rest just kind of mold together with their role i think tranquil is going to come up with probably close to 75 80 percent snap share role because he can kind of play everything he he had he is a complete player and they haven't really had that in Los Angeles, they have a guy who's good in coverage or they have your run stuff or impairment or you have the, it's just, he seems like the most complete outside of Kenneth Murray. Obviously Kenneth Murray is going to be the guy, but I think after Kenneth Murray, Tranquil has a shot to actually be a, a high snap volume guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like Tranquil. I mean, it was a bummer. We only saw him for five snaps last season yeah. before he broke his leg. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm with you. I think he'll see snaps over Kaiser White. Um, just, you know, how much it, it ends up being, we'll see. But I think, especially for deeper leagues, like you take a shot on Drew Tranquil and, you know, he could definitely have some value. We'll see what happens with Kenneth Murray this year. But I, I've liked Tranquil even when he was uh, with Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he kind of did a little bit of everything over there. Um, he rushed the passer he excelled in coverage he played in the slot he played on the defensive line he, he was more versatile um, as a linebacker in Notre Dame even then um, Tavon Coney who was who was uh, the, the starter over there and he was actually the highest grade Tavon Coney was the highest graded linebacker for Notre Dame in 2018 um, and he was like the second highest graded linebacker in the country that year wow. at 91.8 and then he ended up going undrafted right. <laughs> to the Raiders and basically just disappeared into the void never to be heard from again never again yeah i mean that happens (laughs) Um, with the raiders but yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i like tranquil as a player um yeah i I hope he catches a break and and gets uh gets some more work this year it'll be it'll be good to see him kind of coming back after that injury last year because that was a major bummer for sure awesome all right uh next guy on the list is one of my linebackers here so uh i'm going with 
Traven Howard of the Los Angeles Rams. So I, I kind of put this out there last week in, in trying to predict some of the winners of certain training camp battles. I, I wrote an article on that uh, last week, and I've since seen it actually kind of backed up my guy, uh, Sosa Kremengis, uh, who's a part-time PFF uh, fantasy analyst here, and, and he hosts the Locked on Rams podcast uh, at QB's MVP is Sosa's um Twitter handle, but he he was hosting the podcast and he actually um, had very similar reasoning to what I what I think would be the reason that Traven Howard uh, wins a starting role. And again, it kind of comes back to being a good coverage linebacker. So um, Micah Kaiser, Troy Reader, Kenny Young, they were on the team last year. Neither of the any of those guys um, have earned a coverage grade in their even in the sixties for their career. So they're all below average. Um, Ernest Jones came in; he's more of this kind of run stuffing uh, middle linebacker, whereas Howard was a former strong safety at, at TCU uh, and was really good in coverage. He earned an 80, 80.9 coverage grade in twenty seventeen, uh, his final college season at TCU. Um, and it's easy to forget, I think, because of him missing all of last year due to injury, that Howard was actually the projected starter at linebacker for the Rams last season coming into the year. So he's obviously a guy they're ready. They were ready to trust. And 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 after the performances of their linebackers last year and and only really adding Ernest Jones, I don't think a lot has changed enough to make them kind of go away from that in 2021. I mean, Micah Kaiser, Troy Reader, and Kenny Young, like these guys are, you know, players that on a good team that can legitimately compete. Do you really want those three guys in the middle of your defense? Right. One of those three guys or two? I, I don't think so. I mean, maybe Ernest Jones ends up, you know, being the starter there as well. But if we're looking at the top two guys that I think uh, get the most playing time, I think it's Traven Howard and Ernest Jones. And, um, you know, they spent the third round pick on Ernest Jones. So it may, it does make sense. But um, I think most people have kind of, uh, caught on to to him while Traven Howard is not really being talked about all that much really and just being that former safety and being a good coverage player I think could be enough if he if he shows out in camp to kind of to kind of win that role yeah I could definitely see him because like you said Reader and Kaiser were both terrible in coverage last year like you yeah. watch them in space and they're horrible um, <laughs> the one thing I do think about is uh like you said, they ran a lot of dime last year One with one mm-hmm. linebacker. I, Raheem Morris is over now, though, from Atlanta. Right. And I feel I don't think they ran much of that at all. I think they ran a lot of two linebacker. I think uh, I think it's going to be a lot of reader, honestly. Reader and mm-hmm. uh, Howard. I do think Howard wins that spot. Reader, for me, because he was much more efficient as a blitzer. Kaiser was yeah. a terrible blitzer. He was just absolutely terrible. He was horrible. He had more, <laughs> more blitz. I think he had twice as many blitz snaps as a uh, reader, and he didn't come up with one sack. Mm-hmm. And uh, reader's just a little more efficient of a blitzer. I worry about Ernest Jones because he's two hundred and thirty pounds, but he his athletic profile is kind of trash. No offense, Jones. Like you figure for <laughs> for that size, you'd be a little quicker, a little more athletic. You have more sideline to sideline, but I think he only ran like a four, six, four, seven, forty. Yeah. And he didn't show too much agility. It's like that's what I worry about. It's like he's a, a run stuffing guy, but he's not athletic enough to be able to make that jump in coverage. Right. So Morris had uh he played what one season as a D coordinator in Atlanta and he had Deion Jones 
blitz more than twice he had any other mm-hmm. time in his career. And Deion Jones was very effective in it last year. He had his he also had a career high in sacks. So if he plans on running the same type of offense, I could see it being Reader and Howard. But Howard right. probably being the more if they do go to dime packages, Howard's gonna be the guy that stays on the field. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, Reader Reader has the experience, he, and he did. You know, he was of the three guys that they had last season. Reader was kind of the best of the three. Yeah. I mean, I say best, but you know, he he was he, he was better than the rest, basically. Um, he, and yeah, Ernest Jones has still got a lot to prove. Obviously, yeah. I mean, it, it was always a reach that they took him in the third round, mm-hmm. but um, we'll we'll see how they use him. But yeah, I could see that easily. Um, all right, let's go to a defensive end of yours for a sleeper. Uh, Josh Sweat from uh, Philadelphia. So he hasn't really, yeah. I mean, he's only 24 years old. He mm-hmm. hasn't really had the chance to play a, a high volume snap share because they, they've had Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham, honestly, even last year, was he 30, 31, 32? He still had a great season last season. Yeah. But um, they have Derek Barnett, who they spent a high some pretty high capital and he has just been non-existent. Yeah. He shows up for one game a season sweat. He played 38% of snaps last year and he finished with 38 tackles and six sacks. It's like, that's very good. That's in an efficiency rate. That's very good. Yeah. So you take the fact he's 24 and Brandon Graham's aging. Barnett's non-existent. I think that snap share is going to jump. It's going to spike this year. So mm-hmm. if you can grab Josh Sweat and you can get him nice and late, like he's probably going as DL 30, 40, somewhere around in there. Yeah. And so it's a very good sleeper for this year. Like if he sees his snap share increase, I think he could be close to a 10 sack guy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I really like this one. I, I'm not a fan of Derek Barnett at all. Um, the best thing I could say about Barnett is, is that he's currently the starter and he gets a decent amount of snaps, but I think that's really at risk with with Josh Sweat showing how effective he could be. Like you said, um, Barnett is playing on his fifth year option this season after being a 14th overall pick in 2017. Um, His highest seasonal pass rush grade for his career was a 69.0. Nice. Uh, And that was in his rookie year. Uh, He's never never outperformed that. Uh, He had five sacks that year, but he's never exceeded six and a half for his career. So meanwhile, Sweat, like you said, hitting six sacks last season on just 238 pass rush snaps you know he may have been more of a designated pass rusher but the eagles kind of have a decision to make this year with barnett and, and decide whether he's worth signing to a new contract personally i don't think he is um and you know josh sweat's a pending free agent as well i think you can you know if you put him out there you get a little bit more uh of a a sample size of what josh sweat can do you might be able to even sign him a little bit cheaper than what you would potentially be paying Derek barnett so yeah i'm with you i think josh sweat uh, could potentially be in for for a bigger year and and eventually um be a starter there uh, in, in philly yeah i like that call all right, let's go another edge rusher here. And this one is Uchenna and Wosu of the Los Angeles Chargers. So I have to give a shout out to Adam Markham um, of the big three because he was on this first early in the offseason when uh, Melvin Ingram became a, a free agent. Uh, the Chargers did lose Ingram. So there's essentially no true edge rusher 
that can really fill that role opposite of Joey Bosa right now. Um, Tillery likely to be more of kind of like a five tech in Staley's defense, same with like a Justin Jones. Um, but then it's basically Uchenna and Wosu, Chris Rumpf, who's a rookie out of Duke and, and Kyler Fackrell. Mm-hmm. So, there's actually been pretty deep, like most who had pretty decent numbers for his career so far. He's a 15.6% win rate for his career and a 14.3% pressure rate. So both those numbers are comparable to like Melvin Ingram's numbers in the past three seasons. Um, as, as win rate is really just separated by like one tenth of a percentage point from Nwosu and Ingram. And Ingram's still showing that he is a decent pass rusher despite having zero sacks last year. But um, Nwosu actually has a better pressure rate uh, of the two as well by about a point and a half. So, um, uh, nine and a half sacks for his career. He's never played more than 200 pass rush snaps in a season, uh, yet he's put up pressure numbers in the 20s every single year on on those limited snaps. So, uh, he, you know, coming out of USC, he had 62 pressures and 10 sacks his final year there. Uh, that's what kind of helped him make make him a second round pick uh, in the in the 2017 draft, I think it was 2017 2018. Um, so it, it really just is kind of lining up for as long as they don't bring in anybody else or trade for like a Chandler Jones or something that it could be Uchenna and Wosu's time uh, to be a starter there in, in LA and hopefully bring in some some fantasy value as well. Yeah, I agree. And uh, another thing he has going for him is he's a very good run defender. Mm-hmm. So he's that alone will get him on the field to start because Fackrell yep. hasn't really shown that in his career. Right. Rumpf doesn't have the size. He needs to add it a little way if he really wants to be effective in run defense, but I, th- I can see him getting sealed off far too easily. But uh, and Wosu, yeah, he he showed a lot of promise last year. He showed that he had a little more to his game than people thought, and uh, I think enough to the point where they decided they're going to wait, draft Rumpf late, and then well, I guess he wasn't that late, but fourth round, right? I believe. Yeah. But still, it's like they didn't make it a priority to draft another mm-hmm. edge rusher, and they let Ingram go. So I think right. it's, that's them saying, well, we have faith in Nwosu. So we're going to give him a shot to be very productive this season, at least give him a high-volume role. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely lining up that way so far. Like, I mean, he's going to get the volume, and and hopefully that leads to the fantasy points. But right now, he's, he's not really being talked about. He's not really getting drafted. But um, there's a lot of value there to, to be had as well. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Uh, another guy that I like as, as a sleeper here is also a Los Angeles Ram, uh, Terrell Burgess. Um, so he was a third round pick out of Utah uh, in 2020. Uh, so last season, yeah, last season yeah. would have been his rookie year. Um, but he, he was arguably the best safety in the Pac-12 in, in 2019, his final year there at Utah. Um, unfortunately, he played less than 50 snaps as a rookie because he did get hurt uh, with the Rams. So we'll, we'll look at his time in college kind of as a reference here. But at a 90.4 coverage grade and an 85.3 overall grade, uh, he was the fourth highest coverage grade in the FBS in 2019. Uh, He split a lot of his time between playing in the slot and in the box with about 17% of his snaps coming deep. So five pass breakups and an interception in 2019, no touchdowns allowed, 
with the longest catch that he allowed being about 34 yards. Uh, he allowed just 7.3 yards per reception, which was top 20 among all FBS safeties. Um, and, and so these are all kind of coverage numbers and they're all key to me because this was something that John Johnson really excelled at for the Rams playing all over the field. He played a lot in the slot last season than he ever had to. Um, and then with Troy Hill gone as well, this is kind of a key for Burgess getting on the field as well, because there's not a lot of viable options to take over that role um, that nickel corner role for the Rams right now it's between basically David Long or, or Deontay Dion or, or Nick Scott I think um, so I, I really like Burgess and and Tom Kisslingberry put out like a tackling efficiency chart for each IDP position and where they line up and for safeties and, and one of the ones uh, for safeties was that when the one when they line up as slot corners and in the box those are the most efficient tackling um spaces for them which is obviously important for adp but it's also important for whoever gets that role for the rams whether it's taylor rapp or 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 terrell burgess maybe it's both but but i'm leaning burgess given kind of his versatility and the and the rams hesitance a little bit to use rap last season Mm -hmm. uh, has me worried too rap really only played out of necessity when uh, jordan fuller was hurt or or something like that and um yeah, Terrell Burgess, I just saw too before we came on recording, like getting some of the, the notes from, from Rams camp uh, in 11, 11 on 11 drills. He, he came up with the first interception at training camp, and then he made a nice um, pass breakup on Deshaun Jackson deep downfield as well. So show, showing up at camp already, um, I know it's like we kind of went over the, the camp hype a little bit at the beginning, and that was one that, that kind of drew me in. And then I was like, okay, okay, hold on. We just got to. We got to take a step back, but I, I do think that um, Terrell Burgess has a decent shot to kind of win that starting a starting role alongside Jordan Fuller. And even if it isn't him and it's Taylor Rapp, I still think he gets on the field quite a bit playing that that nickel corner role as well. So um, there's there's room for, for Terrell Burgess to be a IDP relevant player for me. Yeah, I think the key for him for me is to win that nickel corner role because I think. With how I know they couldn't afford to pay John Johnson this year, but I think it also mm-hmm. having Rap and Fuller both there kind of eased that transition. And right. I think with Raheem Davis coming in, I, I do believe they'll play less time. If if it was, they were playing the same defense they had last year, I think Burgess is a shoe in it to see his snap share just spike, just playing mm-hmm. that three safety set. But if he does get that nickel corner role, yeah, I could definitely easily see that. And with their lack of linebacker depth, I wouldn't be surprised if Morris himself decided to play some more dime because Ernest Jones isn't the answer this year. He need, he's right. going to need time. And like you said, outside of Howard, nobody else can cover. So, And with the amount of snap, uh, box snaps he played in college, I, I would not be surprised to see Burgess play a little more. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping so. I've kind of been on the, the Terrell Burgess train since like February of this year. Uh, so so hopefully and, and you know, things have been pointing upwards for him and that he's you know recovered from the injury and he's gonna find they're gonna find ways to get him on the field and stuff like that. And yeah, it may very well be in that that nickel corner role, but uh yeah, we'll see. It'll be I think he'll be of use for IDP uh either way. Um, okay, another safety sleeper here is Kayvon Wallace uh, of the Philadelphia Eagles. So he only started one game last season. Um, I kind of talked about him a little bit with um, 
with Z Mags when he was on. We were talking about breakout guys. This was one of his breakout guys. Um, more of a sleeper for me, but either way, I think we we both really like him. But um, the key, I think, is more if he can win the starting role alongside Anthony Harris. So Anthony Harris is probably locked into that role Mm -hmm. uh, as the deep safety there with the Eagles. And Rodney McLeod is the other guy that he has to beat out. And Rodney McLeod right now is still recovering from a torn ACL that he had last year. And there's no guarantees that he's going to be ready for for week one. So right now in camp, it should be Kayvon Wallace that's getting all all the the starting reps and has a chance to kind of um, steal this role while McLeod is 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 on the sidelines and I think that's really a key for him and it you know and he could play more of that box safety role I think than somebody like a Rodney McLeod who who feels like he's more of a more of a comfortable free safety than than anything yeah. else so um yeah I kind of like Kayvon Wallace uh, coming out of Clemson he ended up being I think a fourth round pick um last year and, and didn't really get on the field all that much but um yeah, there, there's reason to to think that, you know, he could potentially be um, a starter this season. It, it, again, if McLeod isn't healthy, and he, even if he is, if, if Wallace shows enough in camp and in, in the preseason, he, he may end up just keeping that role. Yeah, with McLeod not being healthy, Mills gone. Right. I mean, there's definitely a role he can have come day one. I mean, McLeod hasn't really been a world beater himself either when on yeah. the field. I mean, he's he's pretty replaceable, honestly. I mean, he's solid but he's not he's completely unspectacular yeah so might as well give it a nice young star shot because philly's kind of that team in the nfc east it's like everybody's kind of like well you have a pretty good nfc east and then there's philly (laughs) it's like that's what i feel like this year everybody's hyped up on washington new york's getting better dallas getting healthy even though their defense still sucks yeah Yeah. but but i mean philly's (laughs) kind of that team it's like we have a second-year quarterback who is known as a running quarterback with a gigantic stable of running backs right. that we don't know what we want to do with and zero receiving weapons. Yeah, there's like Devonta Smith. A I love Devonta Smith. With the, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, 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 yeah. Devonte Smith. But there's yeah. The, to me, there's just like too many questions with the Eagles. I don't think this is going to be their year by any means. Right. I mean, they have to figure out what they have in Jalen Hurts. But I, from what I saw last year, I mean. Sure, he could be a good fantasy quarterback, but I, as far as NFL quarterback and winning actual games, I, I don't know how much I trust them right. there. And um, yeah, they got a lot to figure out in the defense too. I mean, their linebackers are still really, really weak with um, Eric Wilson potentially being a starter and Alex Singleton, mm-hmm. guys like that. It, there's there is a lot to figure out. So see what you got in the youngsters. Yeah, exactly. You, you know, you used a fourth round pick on on Wallace. He comes from a good program in Clemson. We'll see if, uh, yeah, if he could steal a starting job. And again, another guy like you could get him for super, super cheap in, in a lot of leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. And one of your sleepers here is another safety. Yeah, Sean Williams. It's kind of crazy hearing Sean Williams called a sleeper. It's like after he had those huge yeah. seasons in Cincy, then he just takes a back seat once Von Bell comes. But He's now going. He's now in uh, Arizona, and I mean, outside mm-hmm. of Buda Baker, who do they really have? For Jalen Thompson, yeah, the Thompson, Deontay brother, Thompson, Deontay Thompson. <laughs> it's like, all right, you didn't hear anything about either of them last year. Vance Joseph's there as D coordinator. Sean Williams played in his defense back in 2015 or mm-hmm. 2016. It's like so he he knows the defense. He's 
brings in veteran experience. He's had over a hundred tackles multiple times in his career. He had five interceptions, I think, was it in 2018? Man, that's, that was a crazy year for him in 2018, 110 tackles and five interceptions. That's huge. Yeah. But I mean, he's literally one season away from having back to back hundred tackle, 110 tackle seasons. So Right. You bring him in next to Buddha. I mean, Buddha is obviously a tackle machine himself and you have a pretty good linebacker core in front of him, but he has the opportunity to start with this team. I mean, it's going to be a team that's competing. That's That's a very good team. So they're not looking to start their youngsters to see what they have They're They want somebody who can come in and help them win games. And I think Sean Williams yeah. can help them win games. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I think they are. Like, I think the Cardinals are in kind of this win now mode, even with like a young quarterback. I think the way that their team is kind of um, built, and and with Cliff King, Cliff Kingsbury being there, like these guys are trying to win like this year. Um, I don't know if they can, but I mean, I think like you said, with Vance Joseph being the defensive coordinator, like that's that's important for a guy to have that kind of familiarity with that system. And Jalen and Deontay Thompson really haven't shown all that much. They're they're okay. They're not terrible but i mean yeah as far as idp goes like sean williams has been a really decent idp and if he gets on the field we've seen those numbers before and um i I think he's on the non-football injury list right now so might be like a little bit behind in camp but uh, he there's still a lot of time for him to kind of win a starting role there and if he gets more of his work in the box too that'll be putting up those idp numbers once again yeah so nice i like that all right. Uh, another one here. This is for the defensive tackle required leagues. I, this Maybe this is a little crazy here. Maybe, I'll see. You're the 49ers fan <laughs> amongst us. But I went with uh, Maurice Hurst, uh, who's the defensive tackle formerly of the Raiders, now with the 49ers. I, I don't think the Raiders utilized Hurst all that much during his tenure there. Um, but he was actually one of the better players for them, especially from the interior mm-hmm. of the defensive line. Like He, he earned a set. 77 overall grade, uh, 65 run defense grade, 78.3 pass rush grade on on 1,200 snaps. So uh, it gives them a lot more experience and better grades as well than most of the options for San Francisco at defensive tackle. I, I do think Kinlaw should have a better – Javon Kinlaw should have a better year – year two than what his rookie year was but it's not that's not exactly a high bar to set as well his rookie year was pretty underwhelming considering that first round draft capital right so um you know they got zach kerr there he's never really been a full-time player he's like it'll be like 31 by the time the season kicks off too you know hurst comes in he's got a he's got a good pass rush win rate at 11.1 percent good pressure rate at 8.6 percent um which which is above all the other defensive interior players on the team as well right now seven batted passes in his career as well which i I didn't realize Hmm. um that's like tied for 15th most among defensive interior players since 2018 um but that's seeing a role diminish too yeah yeah in a a smaller role so that was kind of impressive but 60 total pressures and eight sacks over last over the last three season which is also the most among current defensive tackles on the 49ers roster they're not elite numbers by any means but i think they're pretty solid considering his playing time so far and aaron donald has definitely kind of ruined what to expect from defensive tackles um, because that is what everyone wants out of their interior defenders but yeah the reality of the situation is that i mean aaron donald's he's a unicorn he's broken the mold for defensive tackles in the nfl yeah so 
I, I just think like this, this is probably a pretty deep sleeper. Um, it, it may very well be a rotation among the interior of the line there, but I, I really do like Maurice Hurst. I think getting a fresh start in San Francisco is kind of exactly what he needs um, to, to be a productive player. I mean, Maurice Hurst was a first round talent a few years back until he right. had his heart issue. Yeah. Yeah, so, he slipped to the fourth, yeah. I think, because of it. Yeah. So, I mean, they were talking to him going in the first round all the way up till that came out. Right. So, and you look at the 49ers last year, if there's one spot where they were non-existent, it was pressure up the middle. Mm-hmm. They had zero pressure coming from their interior defenders. And they were expecting Kinlaw to fill that void when Buckner left, and he obviously did not do such a great job of it, which is okay. He's a rookie. But still, to bring in Hurst, I mean, if Kinlaw still can't create the pressure, you can at least keep him in early downs. And even if Hurst rotates in, I mean, you saw a guy like Ronald Blair used to do it a lot. And Ronald Blair, he was, there was times where he was a serviceable player. So if injury happens or even if Hurst goes ahead and he wins a starting job, I mean, Hurst can be Mm -hmm. a very productive player. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. That's the hope for me. I, I just I'm kind of betting on the talent a little bit mm-hmm. there, um, in, in hopes that it, you know he ends up getting a, a larger role this year. Because yeah, I don't think the Raiders utilized him as much as they they should have. And and who knows, maybe the heart thing is still an issue, mm-hmm. but it hasn't it hasn't seemed to be, um, you know, despite him dropping to the fourth round. But uh, who knows, maybe it's more of a long term right. thing, anyways. Plus, you but, add in the pressure coming back off the edge. Exactly. Yeah, that that's key, right? Getting Bosa and, and Armstead, those guys back, maybe D Ford as well will be nice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's there's some hope for for Hurst as far as I'm concerned. Um all right, and then we both uh, we both put one like kind of super deep sleeper um uh each if if Maurice Hurst wasn't deep enough. <laughs> um who who is your uh deep sleeper here? Uh safety Xavier Woods. So nice. I actually pegged him as a sleeper last year too for the uh, Cowboys and he started mm-hmm. off like he was going to be a very productive player. He mm-hmm. tailed off towards the end of the season, but I mean, he was still serviceable throughout the year. Uh, he's okay in coverage, but I'm not looking at his time in Dallas per se. Cause I don't know that Dallas defense was absolutely terrible. No matter what, outside of Donovan Wilson, he came out of nowhere and played great. <laughs> Look at Anthony Harris, Anthony Harris, like you said, played every single snap. Yeah. And they didn't bring in anybody to fill that role. So they signed Xavier Woods. And if Xavier Woods can even play 90% of snaps, you have a volume role. Harrison Smith plays all over the field. So he's now, I think, 33, Harrison Smith. He's 32 or 33 now. So he's no spring chicken. It's the second chance for Xavier Woods to prove himself. He play, He had some good years in Dallas, nothing spectacular, but if he can play 95 to 100% of snaps, I mean, it's volume. It's right. volume, and you have a guy who's going undrafted. Yep. Yeah, definitely going undrafted. A lot of people are, are – just not even paying attention to him so there's there's not like a lot of competition on that vikings uh safety room like you said it's harrison smith it's xavier woods and then it's guys like um josh metellus who was like a sixth rounder last year out of michigan and and cameron bynum they drafted this year out of cal um but they're not really going to challenge him this year i I think the role belongs to xavier woods and he's been a decent player considering that he was like a sixth round pick himself right um so he's had a decent career five interceptions 11 pass breakups um yeah i think there's i think that the starting role the volume that's the key right um and and it's it seems to be locked in for xavier woods at this point yeah. 
Nice. All right. And then my my super deep sleeper is edge defender for the New York Jets, Mr. Bryce Huff. Um, so this definitely feels like I, I've been kind of hyping up every single member of the Jets defensive line <laughs> at this point on this podcast, because I it seems like every episode I'm talking about somebody on the Jets defensive line, but I kind of love Bryce Huff. He, he was an undrafted free agent last season out of Memphis. Um, I, I do really feel like John Franklin Myers has a legitimate shot to play off the edge on Salah's defense uh, at Salah's defensive line across from uh, Carl Lawson and, and Tom Kissingbury brought that up uh, as well to play that Eric Armstead role. But I also really like Huff to kind of fit that role if it isn't John Franklin Myers. So, you know, first first things first, he's got to make the team, obviously. Um, apparently, he's shown out in camp so far, so that's kind of a good thing. And, you know, he, he is playing ahead of third-round pick Jabari Zuniga, who, who dealt with injuries last year and, and didn't get a ton of opportunity to show uh, his worth. So that, that's a good sign. I think I know that the, the the 2020 coaching staff for the Jets, the Jets really liked Bryce Huff, and, and apparently the new coaching staff is a big fan of him as well, which is, is a good sign. He, he has decent bend and explosiveness and and it showed from a data standpoint last season as well he posted a 14.2 percent pass rush win rate uh, which was second among all rookies last year nice um yeah it was behind only alex alex highsmith so that's ahead of guys like chase young and and your your gross matos and and guys like that so he, he put up 14 pressures as well as 11 blocks defeated so those are um reps that he's winning as a pass rusher but he's not recording a pressure on the play um either because the quarterback got the ball out quickly or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So those 11 blocks defeated were third among rookie edge defenders. He had two sacks, uh, but he only had less. He had less than 200 pass rush snaps. So an eight, 8% pressure rate for him, which was top 10 among all rookies last year. So, I, I, I'm hearing some good things from Bryce Huff, but I, I really like the the data kind of behind him backing him up. If it's if it's not John Franklin Myers who have kind of vouched for as being like a starting edge um, on the Jets defensive line instead of playing in the middle, I, I really like Bryce Huff as a as a like a deep deep like a set sleeper um, in in those in those bigger leagues that, that to take a shot on because if he if he wins that role he's he's got the talent and um, could potentially be putting up decent numbers for you. Yeah, I like it. And even even if he doesn't win that role, if it's Franklin Myers in Salah's defense, he likes to rotate pass rushers. Like if you yeah. you saw in San Francisco with Bosa, Armstead, D Ford, he likes to right. bring him in. He likes to rotate players around, and Franklin Myers can shift inside. So yep. when you get in those pure pass rush modes, you shift Franklin Myers inside, bring in Huff and Lawson, and he could easily see, even if he doesn't win the starting role, see a 40% snap share. And with his win rate, I mean, you could find yourself a guy getting you six sacks in a season mm-hmm. with virtually zero. You could probably pick him up off of waivers. You can pick him up off of waivers. I've done it with four yeah. leagues. I had him <laughs> I had him in a couple last year. I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a shot on him. It was 16 team leagues. And I was like, it's start four DL with 16 teams and it's like it gets very thin oh yeah (laughs) yeah that yeah that's that's kind of where you you want to start with him and and i think there's a chance for that he gets a bigger role and and ends up providing value in some of the other leagues as well but yeah starting with those deeper leagues Mm -hmm. for sure um because yeah who knows what kind of role he'll be and he's got to make the team first but um yeah i i still really like bryce yeah um 
Awesome. All right. There it is. Uh, another massive list of players for everyone to take in. Uh, and uh, the biggest of shout outs to the legendary Joey the Tooth, who came in on short notice, brought the fire and, and saved not only me, but the awesome listeners as well from a Macri solo pod. So I, I think we could all agree that it's it's time to change Joey's nickname from Joey the Tooth to Joey the Goat because he was an absolute <laughs> boss. Once again, Joey, <laughs> seriously, thank you so much for coming back and, and doing the show again. Oh, it's my I, pleasure, I, man. I can't thank you enough. It's definitely my pleasure. I love coming on. It's always, it's we banter very well together. We bounce off of each other very well. And when we did the rookie yeah. thing, man, you had you had changed my mind. And so, like, like I said, you're my you're my favorite IDP data guy. Like you, oh, you give me some of the, some things to think about. Where I'm like, oh, ah, <laughs> crap! I need to rethink this a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. And, uh, it, you know, if that's if that's what I could do I, with with the data that I have available to me, I, I'm I'm happy to do it. I just like to try to put that data out into the world mm-hmm. as much as I can, and, and hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully it pays off. We'll see what happens with a lot of these guys, but I I really appreciate that. That's nice yeah. of you to say. <laughs> And then uh, um, we have you coming on the IDP lounge in what, two weeks? Not this weekend, yeah, but the following. Weeks. Yeah, yeah. Excited about that. Mike Woller, yeah. uh, DFF Trip, yourself, and at Hollywood, right? Hollywood and Nate. Nate G. And Nate, yeah. nice. Okay. There we go. So, yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be a good time. I'm looking forward to that yeah. on, a, on a Saturday night. We'll get a, a couple of drinks going yeah. and, and talk some IDP nice. and, and other stuff as oh, well, yeah. I'm sure. Anything. It, it's yeah. pretty, first episode was relayed back. So nice yeah i'm excited that'll be that'll be fun something different uh to do and and yeah it'll be there'll be some football to talk about too at that point be nice. uh, with preseason <laughs> happening so yeah, that will be very nice no more hot takes to listen to <laughs> oh god i know seriously um yeah so i again i can't thank you enough for coming on before you go um please promote your work and and twitter handle as well so that people know where to find you all right you can find me at idpguys.org uh i am the content manager there. Uh, I write many, many articles. I think I just published my 185th article with IDP guys for over the past four years. That's been a, wow. it's been a pretty crazy grind. I couldn't believe when I saw that. I was like, holy cow. Wow. But, uh, That's impressive. <laughs> I just did my first season doing IDP projections as well. Uh, I have over 400 projections done, which has now been mixed in with offensive projections for our scoring tool. So you input your scoring and it adjusts the rankings accordingly. Love that. So that was uh, that was a pretty crazy undertaking. But once you find your once you find your rhythm, it, it, it seemed like pretty easy. But it took me quite a while right. to figure out. That's awesome. But, yeah, I love that idea. I love this. Um, being able to put in your own scoring for each league because every league is different. Right. So, so yeah, I was trying to figure awesome. out the first question you always ask when somebody asks your opinion on something, well, what's your scoring? Right. So it's like, well, how can we kind of change that? Well, let's do go projection style. We all have rankings, but let's, why do we rank them and where do we think they'll end up? So that right. was the thought process I had going through that, put that together. And then we had somebody come in and do offensive projections. So that was nice. So we got a tool on idpguys.org for that. Um, we partnered with Fantrax this season to help them with, uh, I mean, they've been wicked receptive to everything. They asked us, well, we have edge set up for a lot of players and it included a lot of inside linebackers as well. We told mm-hmm. them, well, here, take these guys out, these guys, these guys, and these guys and make them inside linebackers. And then you have these guys who are some are D tackles, make them to IDL and 
vice versa. And, and we actually help them sort out the edge defender. So it's more true position with fan tracks. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a best ball tournament going on with fan tracks. So go to fantrax.com forward slash IDP guys. And nice. we're trying to get up to 500 people to play. Uh, we're, we're on our way right now. And uh, first place gets $1,000 worth of signed merchandise in a mystery box per fan tracks. They, they put it together for us. So it's That's a, it's a cool. DFS style best ball league. You just pick your league and you stay within your, your price range and it's offense and IDP and it's free. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. So definitely go check that out. Um, check out Joey's work at idpguys.org. Uh, find him on Twitter at Joey, the tooth IDP. Right. That too. Uh, I didn't say that. <laughs> No, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. You got an easy, uh, easy Twitter handle yep. to remember. There's no numbers or anything that's like right. that in there. Um, so yeah, definitely hit him up. Um, but yeah, again, thank you for coming on another episode in the books uh, as we get closer to the season finale of uh, season one of the Big Nickel IDP podcast. Uh, I-, I wanted to kind of find a way to thank you all, the listeners, um, for for tuning in every episode, and, and a way that I kind of thought to do that is to get some personalized questions for your fantasy team that you can ask um for the podcast and we'll go over them in the season finale uh airing the week of september 6th so any kind of idp related question fantasy related even if it's not football related you can send it in uh, and we'll go over it on the podcast uh, as part of the subject matter so you can send any question you want asked on the podcast to at pff underscore macri on twitter you could just send that into my dms they're always open or you can email john.macri at pff.com that's j-o-n dot m-a-c-r-i at pff.com just put the subject line big nickel with your question in there and we will read them on the pod in the season finale slash season preview uh, episode for 2021. Um, but we still got a few episodes to go before then. And next episode is also going to be another fun one as we got Matt Shelf from Draft Sharks coming over to do a full IDP rankings episode and go over our tiers and rankings for each IDP position. So I hope you will all tune in and, uh, for that one. And until then, IDP's out. <laughs>